Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Skype's the worst, huh? Yeah, it's driving me crazy. Alright, there we go. Alright, looking good. You got a, um, is that... Pogasaw in the background, Pogasaw in the background. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yep, an old pal jersey I threw up on the wall. Alright, I see, um, who we got, who we got in the photo frame behind you? I've got one of, uh, Pal and Kobe, I've got one of, of uh, Eddie Jones and another one of, uh, number eight Kobe back there. Are you a big Paw guy? Pow, yeah, kind of, I mean, he was so big for those, uh, those 2010 teams that it, the uh, 2009 and 2010 championship, he was awesome. So so many rebounds. I'll, I'll yeah. never forget Game Seven. That was the worst moment of my basketball life. Still, <laughs> I don't think it will be surpassed either. Game Seven last year was tough, but didn't draw anywhere close. The 2012 LeBron series was tough, and now LeBron's in Lakerland. How about that? Dude, I, I almost wore my my Lakers Nation LA bronze shirt, and I'm like, no, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be kind to the Celtics folks. <laughs> Although I don't know, I think the the Celtics make out pretty well here because now he's you know he's out of the East, makes it a lot easier to get through. It, it made it a victory of an off season for them, which was awesome. I'm sure they're gonna see each other down the line, though, not next year, but in years to come. Welcome to Celtics Blog Podcast number 47. As I promised on the last one, number 46, we were talking to Ben Rohrbach about the Celtics. Today it's all Lakers. Lakers, Celtics is back, or is it? We'll, we'll discuss that today with a writer for Lakers Nation, one of the lead writers over there. It is Trevor Lane. Welcome, Trevor. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. I'm ready for a new era of Lakers Celtics. We we're just talking about Game Seven, 2010. Things mm-hmm. have been off since then, and it's been almost a decade. And now, as history goes, the Lakers and Celtics are sort of centers of the basketball universe. They're on the doorstep after the Celtics had a year full of injuries and the Lakers had a year full of tanking. <laughs> and now LeBron James arrives there and. We'll discuss, was it even a win of an offseason in signing LeBron James? The fact that that's even up for a discussion seems insane, but I was having the conversation on the Twitter line earlier. First, I want to talk to you about Jason Tatum. So, does any part of you, as a uh, Lakers analyst, have any regret over not taking Jason Tatum in the draft last year? Over not taking him? I mean, 
It's hindsight's 2020. He's certainly had a good rookie season and I appreciate what he's done. I think a lot of people look at Lonzo and they think, Oh, Lonzo didn't have as good of a season as, as Tatum. No, he didn't, but you can still understand the, the thought process behind selecting Lonzo. Um, there was one guy, one NBA draft analyst that was Sam Vecini who was telling me over and over again, the Lakers need to take Tatum. They need to take Tatum. He's the guy I would take him number one. And uh, it turns out he he was probably right here because Tatum looks awfully good. He's very Paul Pierce-esque in the way that he works. And actually, he's he did spent a lot of time studying Paul Pierce. So Celtics definitely got a good one, although I have a feeling that, uh, that Lonzo gets overlooked a little bit because he was so good on the defensive end. That was where most of his value came from, and everybody was expecting offense from him. But, yeah, I mean, can't really argue too much that, uh, that Tatum had the better rookie season, and he sure is an impressive prospect moving forward. You know who else he studies under, too, is one Kobe Bryant, who brought up the discussion. I, I saw him talking about the fact that Tatum could have been a Laker, and it, it brought the th- thought into my mind of the fact that, on the surface, I don't know what happened inside the organization, but from afar, it looks like they set their mind on Lonzo Ball and didn't look anywhere else with all the hype of him at UCLA. Definitely a top-flight prospect, and we did see some great production from him last year. But I wonder if they just closed the blinds on it just a little bit with LeVar Ball talking about, you know, he's going to be a Laker. And Magic Johnson's fascination for him, too, drove it in big part. I compare it to me picking colleges. I was dead set on Syracuse from the start. I didn't look anywhere else. And I look back, and I'm like, what, what, what were some of the other options out there? I didn't see them. Did the Lakers look anywhere but ball? Yeah, I mean, they, they did. They brought in a number of guys for workouts, and they, they made sure that they cast a wide net. But at the end of the day, you look at what they were trying to do. They were trying to create a team that was going to do two things. It was going to defend at a high level and then get out and run. And with those goals in place, Lonzo made a heck of a lot of sense. And, of course, he already had a lot of support from the L.A. fan base for, for his playing days at uh, at UCLA. So, you can still understand why they why they went the way that they did. We also heard a rumor that Jason Tatum maybe wasn't too keen on going to the Lakers because they already had Brandon Ingram in place and they that he knew that was the guy they were going to try to build around going forward at the small forward spot. So it could be a little bit of both. Could be that the Lakers were just kind of set on finding a guard that could really be the engine of the of a more fast-paced, almost Showtime-esque offense that Magic was going to try to create and that Tatum maybe was was pushing back a little bit. Of course, I don't have a whole lot of info on that besides just the one rumor. But um, but yeah, I think it was a combination of things that, that led to them deciding not to go with Tatum at the second pick. I did have some people talking about that Ingram factor in my mentions, but when you look over at the Celtics, they have Gordon Hayward and Tatum and Jalen Brown for that matter, who looks like a small forward, plays the two, but you have basically a three-wing system going. That's the way the league's heading towards. So I look at the Lakers, and I'm like, Ingram and Tatum could fit just fine next to each other. Maybe the shots become an issue, or who's really leading the offense there, but I I think it would have worked itself out. The fact is, at the end of the day, it just seems like Tatum went a little bit underrated in the draft board, especially compared to Markel Fultz. But the thought dawned on me, just because we talk so much about Philly missing out on Tatum, now, the Lakers don't catch a lot of flack for that. Why do you think that is? Is it just because Ball projects to be a pretty good player, too? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of it is that that everybody can understand the thought process behind selecting Lonzo Ball and what the what the goal was. I mean, for most out there, he was the he was the guy to take at, at number two. There wasn't a whole lot of debate there. There were a few, like I said, Sam Vecini was one who said they should take Tatum, but it, it seemed like he was the commonly accepted pick. I mean, if you look back at any draft, you can find guys who should have gone higher than they actually did. I mean, Tatum obviously had a great season. I think a lot of it is people underestimated his athleticism. And they didn't realize how good of a tough shot maker he was going to be. He hits a number of these mid-range jumpers where he's fading away or or in a turnaround. And, and you wouldn't expect a rookie to be able to hit shots like that. And yet he drains them. So I think there's there's that factor as well. Can he really continue to do that at the NBA level? Maybe there was some, some skepticism, but he certainly proved the doubters wrong. So what's cooking up over at Lakers Nation right now? We like to check in on Celtics blog here on the podcast, but as an SB Nation cousin, we might as well see what's going on over there too. Yeah, over at at Lakers Nation, we are doing all sorts of of Lakers-related stuff. Obviously, we've been talking a bit about um, what's going on with LeBron today? He he made his first public comments about being a Los Angeles Laker and how it's a, a dream come true. And he's going to have a few interviews coming up here as well. And we're going to expect to see his official press announcement. His, his presser is going to be coming up uh, within these next few days. So that's going to be happening. So that's obviously really exciting. A lot of Lakers fans right now are, are pretty worried about the Lakers center position. So there's been a lot of discussion on that. Okay, so we've had a number of different uh, articles and pieces about what's going on with JaVale McGee and Ibiza Zubats <laughs> and, and Mo Wagner running the, the center spot for the Lakers and just kind of what their overall strategy is. That's actually something I wrote about for LakersNation.com um, just the other day, and I think it's going to get published uh, on Monday, which is tomorrow. We're recording this Sunday night. That's basically the uh, career JaVale McGee. What's going on with JaVale McGee? <laughs> <laughs> that is it. That is it. So over at Celtics Blog, we're talking, of course, about Kobe and Tatum linking up for a workout. Uh, the luxury tax continues to be a point of discussion as it's going to be for years and years. It drives me crazy sometimes. I hate talking about it, but it's a big deal as we see with the Warriors, and it's coming with the Celtics now, too. It's amazing that they built the roster that they have without entering the luxury tax, yet they're just getting into it this season and then of course Kyrie Irving's recovery how that's going him at being a USA camp talking about he's going to be fine for training camp so we'll take him at his word for now there could be down the line one of these years maybe not this year but in the next few years that Kyrie LeBron face-off that we didn't get last year because of an injury now it's going to be based on Lakers and Celtics is is that the new storyline of Lakers Celtics that Irving LeBron rivalry that they both love to downplay but we love to hype up big time oh yeah I mean I hope he stays with the Celtics because um, we had one of your guys Keith Smith on our show uh, a little over a week ago and he was talking all about it I, I agree completely the league is just more fun when it's Lakers versus Celtics it's it's like you go back to the 80s where when one team made it to the finals, the other one and the other one didn't, there was like this disappointment. There was this letdown. It's just better when you get the Lakers Celtics final. And of course, the LeBron versus Kyrie dynamic just adds that much more intrigue to it. So I'm definitely keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that we get another Lakers Celtics finals and we see Kyrie versus LeBron because there's just going to be that much more drama. And then, of course, you've got all the other storylines in there. You've got Jalen Jalen Brown versus Brandon Ingram. And then you've got Lonzo Ball versus Jay. Jason Tatum, all guys that were taken uh, within one pick of each other in the draft and all these other storylines you can look at. But, of course, the LeBron-Kyrie thing just makes it all that much more juicy and exciting. So I'm hoping it happens. I'm sure you guys are, too. 
I'm thrilled about it. I can't wait for that to happen. But I remember thinking, probably back in December or January, I was saying, if the Lakers get LeBron, that's it. You know, LeBron's teams win their conferences without a doubt. And I'm like, all right, if LeBron's out in Lakerland, it's going to be Lakers-Celtics, like, bar none next year. But we're in a completely different place now where all the signings that followed that LBJ acquisition – had people scratching their heads, and Mike, um, Michael Beasley had a big comment about that that I thought was interesting because we think of these guys like Lance Stevenson and McGee, as we just said, and the whole gang that they got together out there in L.A. is a bunch of goofballs or knuckleheads or whatever name you want to <laughs> use to describe the band of characters that they have there that I, apparently I heard James had some say in bringing together there. What, what do you make of that roster? Did it shock you as much as it seemed to uh, puzzle the rest of the league, the band that LeBron grouped together? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely surprising. There have been a number of names from the meme team to the Suicide Squad, this group of kind of NBA <laughs> villains that have come together to join up on the Lakers. But it's uh, it's interesting, that's for sure, that, that this is the path they took because for so long, I mean, the, the standard operating procedure for building a team around LeBron has been get shooters. As many shooters as you can, put them around LeBron, let them feast on the spacing that he creates. And the Lakers went another route. They they added guys like like Rondo, who all of you guys know know a ton about, uh, Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, and now Michael Beasley, guys who have been known for having some some issues in terms of just being a little bit difficult to deal with. And uh, yeah, I mean it's a little bit surprising that they that they went this way, but it appears that what they're trying to do is focus on defense first, try to get the stops that they need, and then get out and run and transition. Yeah, it would be great if they could find shooters, but we know that one of their goals was also to make sure that they only signed one-year contracts so that they can go after a max free agent next summer. So that's part of the equation here, too. They, they were looking for guys who were willing to accept these one-year deals. Plus, I believe that the reason why LeBron signed off on these guys is because he's battled them before, and these are guys who didn't back down from him. These are guys who really got into it and fought him, and so that's got to be a part of the factor here, too, is that LeBron was looking for guys that he wanted to be in the foxhole with and and ready to go to war with. So is it all going to work out? I don't know, but it's certainly going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun to cover them because you never know what's going to happen at any given moment with this cast of characters. And another parallel we have now with Celtics-Lakers as we continue to talk about that is Rajon Rondo landing in an L.A. uniform, which is equally shocking for his <laughs> presence next to LeBron, who he once couldn't stand. As you just brought up there, there's a whole cast of characters who have butted heads with LeBron in the past there. And then... This is a guy who battled the Lakers twice in those finals. The only remnants of those final series that we have there besides Luke Walton, I guess, on the sideline. (laughs) But it's just going to be so weird, like you said, to see Rondo suiting up in that uniform. I guess it just uh, summarizes what's been a weird career for Rondo as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it has been. He's bounced around a bit, but obviously... He's still incredibly valuable. You look at what he did with the New Orleans Pelicans, and he was he was tremendously impactful there. I was really impressed when I went back and looked at the footage how often Rondo is now throwing the hit-ahead pass because my interpretation of Rondo's game or my impression of his game had always been he's the kind of point guard that pounds the ball 50 times on a possession, dribbles through the paint, right? He looks, 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 and then eventually makes the pass that's going to lead to a basket. And that's kind of just the way he plays. When the Pelicans sped everything up, when DeMarcus Cousins went out, they they pushed down on the turbo button and their pace went through the roof. 
Rondo was throwing the Lonzo Ball-esque hit-ahead passes, and I think that's something that really caught the Lakers' attention. Rondo and the Lakers have been kind of circling each other for years now. We think back to Kobe and Rondo having breakfast a long time ago. But Kobe um, gets around. It, that's right, he does. He's the kind of guy who talks to everybody. But um, but yeah, I mean, now that Rondo's throwing those passes too, it gives you some some hope that there's going to be some continuity from the, the first unit into the second unit and that Rondo can indeed play the style of basketball that the Lakers want to play right now. So Kyrie's been talking to everybody too, so that has people nervous with him hitting free agency next summer. We're basically drumming up like three storylines or four storylines in the quiet east. It's the tax, it's Marcus Morris who... Hit us over at Celtics block with it's always minutes for a versatile bully after Jeff Clark wrote that he might not have so many minutes this year. So that was funny, but it's so quiet in the East. If we remember that Ringer video last year, it was LeBron and Hayward in like a garden, and then the West just being like a complete bloodbath between all the teams out there. And Stan Van Gundy was on the Lebertard show about a week ago, and they were asking him, how many wins are the Lakers going to have? And he had some nice things to say about the roster, but then he's like, 45 wins, which might be reasonable, but then you look at the standings from last year, and 45 wins doesn't get you in the playoffs in last year's Western Conference. Right. So what do you make of that? What are you expecting the win total to be next year? It's hard to project. It is. It's it's really difficult, and the West is such a such a dogfight. You look at, I mean, obviously the Houston Rockets will be there. Although I think they took a little bit of a step back this season when they lost Ariza and Mbamute. Um, yeah, yeah Melo, Melo isn't doing it for you. No, no. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, you know what? Melo's fine on the offensive end, but the Rockets didn't have problems there. I mean, I don't think Melo can come anywhere close to Ariza or Mbamute in terms of switchability, which was so key for their defense. So I think they they may have taken a little bit of a step back. Uh, but still, Rockets and, and the Warriors obviously are the top two. And then after that, it's really anyone's guess who's going to fall where. I could see the Lakers landing at the third seed. I could see them dropping all the way down to, to say, the, eight, the eighth seed. I'm predicting maybe 50-ish wins for the Lakers, and um, maybe that's optimistic. We'll see. I think a lot of people aren't factoring in the loss of Julius Randle. Yeah, you're replacing him with LeBron James, which is which is wonderful. Obviously, that's a trade you make every day of the week. But Still losing Julius Randle, who was arguably their best player last season, that that diminishes the young core to some extent. But if Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, if all those guys can step up, then I think they're going to be right there in that mix of the teams that sit just below the Rockets and the Warriors. We'll see how it all comes together, though. I mean, you can never just assume that a season's going to go out the way you think it's going to. I mean, we unfortunately remember the 2012 Dwight Howard, Steve Nash lakers and how that turned out so i'm definitely not uh, not just assuming that everything's going to go swimmingly for them I, I would assume that there's going to be bumps along the way and things that they're going to have to deal with and that's going to be up to luke walton to kind of navigate those those choppy waters it's going to be choppy for sure it's going to be the most intriguing team in the nba without a doubt next year even if they're in that middle territory but i'm just i'm just so excited to see it beyond the paper the paper looks so weird the product's going to be a lot more fascinating uh I guess the next question I have is how does this team end up navigating through the Western Conference? Uh, It's going to be difficult this year. I don't even think they have finals expectations. Maybe that's an upside that they can um, push for. But the finals expectations are going to come later. For now, what's it going to take for them to navigate through the East? And what are some short-term goals? Or not the East, the West. And what are some short-term goals for them, you think? 
Well, I'd feel a lot better if they were navigating yeah, through the no. east, but, uh, <laughs> but but they are not. Um, yeah, they the short term goals obviously are, are just to come together and and hopefully see growth from the young guys and then see the team win some basketball games. I mean, they they should make the playoffs and make some noise there, and uh, and hopefully they can take some of these veteran pieces that they've added and and be able to to bra- rise all ships. You know, I mean, this is something where they're hoping that they can bring everybody up together. And uh, and get through at least the first round, maybe even the second round of the playoffs. Same thing after that is gravy in the in the difficult Western Conference. But I think one thing that's that's not being talked about enough is you look at all these one year contracts that they've signed. And I think they've become a team to watch at the trade deadline. I think if there's a star out there that's that's ready to be moved, say the Toronto Raptors still feel like Kawhi Leonard is on his way out the door, I think the Lakers are going to be a team to watch because they've now set themselves up to have the expiring contracts and the pieces necessary to go and make a big move and then maybe really make some noise in the playoffs if they can bring in another star. So not saying it's going to happen because you never know when a star is going to hit the market, but they position themselves well to be able to go after somebody if a name does pop up before the trade deadline. Lakers have a problem with that number two spot right now and it's very interesting you talked about Randall that brought a thought into my head but first another problem that a lot of people run into is hair loss and luckily there's an easier solution to that you don't have to wait until the trade deadline to get a solution for hair loss hymns is the way to go you know people talk a lot about LeBron's hairline not the worst thing (laughs) I've ever seen in the world the worst is I see people with the hair on the edges and the f- tops completely flat. It's, it's just not a good look. So you don't even want to get to that point. With hymns, you basically are more proactive with the issue. Before it even starts, you start to attack it. Because 66% of men lose their hair by 35. And when you see that hairline start creeping back, it's already too late. So what do you do? You go to 4 because it's your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and men's wellness products. They have the well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions, and what they are going to do is help you keep your hair. It's not the oil pills or the gas station supplements. You're getting prescription solutions that are backed by science, so the worst thing you can do in the world is go to that waiting room. It's just a terrible place to be especially for a personal issue like that that can cause some embarrassment you can do this all from your home and real doctors review and prescribe you products that get shipped directly to your door so that's the awesome part about hymns but even better our listeners are going to get a trial month of hymns for just five dollars today while supplies last so see the website for details because this could cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy Go to forhims.com slash CB, F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash CB for the $5 offer. Julius Randle, let's circle back to him. Was it devastating to see him go for the team, you think? I was shocked that it happened so suddenly after the James signing. It didn't even seem like there was a line of negotiation after that. They let him go on the qualifying offer, and then he was on his way to New Orleans. Absolutely. It was it was extremely surprising. And then when that when that New Orleans offer came in and it was 18 million over two years, it was just like a, it was a gut punch for a lot of Lakers fans, because we've been hearing for so long that, hey, Randall's going to command probably between 15 to 18 million per season. 
So then to see him go for just $9 million per year, of course, the second year is a player option, so he may end up opting out of that. In fact, if he has a solid season, he almost certainly will because there's going to be more cap room available on the market uh, in 2019. But still, it was shocking, especially given the Lakers' center position. You look at where they're at right now and how often they're going to play small ball, and Julius Randle is a very good small ball center. But from what we understand, he had some issues with what the Lakers had told him about how he was going to be used this next season, some changes in his role. And so he asked to be released. And of course we have to consider the, the Aaron Mintz factor. And that is, is uh, Randall's agent. And he's obviously not on great terms with the Lakers because this is a guy who also represents D'Angelo Russell, as well as Paul George and how Julius Randall. So three players in a row that have had their run-ins with the Lakers. Obviously things didn't go the way that uh, the Lakers had hoped they would with them. So there's some things, there's something going on there. What it is, we don't exactly know. It's regrettable what's going on with, with Julius Randle. I think he's going to have a great season with New Orleans. I was really hoping he was going to stick around, but it is what it is. So all you can do really is just, just wish him the best, and, and hopefully he continues to have a, a stellar career and grow as a player. And meanwhile, hopefully the Lakers will be able to, to incorporate some new pieces and, and move on. It felt a lot like the smart situation, to be honest. Two players who went back-to-back. Mm -hmm. Beloved by their fan bases, gritty defenders, who I think grew a lot in two specific areas. Smart as a passer, there were concerns about that with him coming out of college. Randall's defense was a concern early on, and he made leaps and bounds in that area from people I talked to. And he probably could have figured in pretty well with this year's team, especially when you talk about those center issues. So it's just that that seemed to be one of the long-term gripes that came out of this offseason for them. Even though they are trying to clear salary and it probably helps in that regard for next summer, he's probably one of the pieces you wanted to build with going forward. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he would have been a a very, very nice as a small ball center. I mean, think about it. If you are a defender on on any team in the NBA and the Lakers are on a fast break and on one wing you have Julius Randle and on the other it's LeBron James, that's scary. That second-year player option was an issue for the Lakers, it was something they weren't really willing to offer him because of their desire to go after a max free agent in 2019. But, yeah, it's disappointing because for so long, Lakers fans have been looking at, okay, what free agents can we get? Can we get this player or that player? And so many times you see a guy who's good, but he's restricted. And so then you know the Lakers probably aren't going to bother going after him. Well, finally, the Lakers were in a situation where they had one of their own guys that would be great to keep and had that restricted tag on so everything said the Lakers in just a wonderful bargaining position with Randall, and they decided to turn that down and just, just let him walk away. Again, I feel like there must have been some other things going on behind the scenes, but uh, but overall, fans, yeah, I mean, that's the that's been probably the most disappointing part of the offseason, but, uh, but again, getting LeBron James kind of eases quite a bit of that pain. And there were so many bumbles moving up to the LeBron signing. It's even shocking that they walked their way into him with how the Russell situation went, as you said, and the Luel Deng signing, and just so many of the missteps that they had through the years, uh, through the end of Kobe's tenure, the 2012 team, as you mentioned. So many things went wrong for the ultimate right. But as no guys come in this summer, I was just talking with someone on the Twitter line who who made the best of this offseason. And Toronto comes to mind. Oklahoma City getting rid of Melo, as we <laughs> alluded to, is <laughs> definitely a crap. win. Keeping Paul George, too, for that matter. Could the Lakers even make the case for a top three offseason this summer? 
even with signing LeBron, like it's stunning to think that you get LeBron, you'd imagine that you won the offseason. But just with how the rest of the roster and the future uncertainty comes into play now, could they call the summer a win even though they didn't come away with that second star? Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, LeBron is, is the best player in the game, and the, the Lakers landed him. That's, I mean, all these other pieces that we're talking about, these are ancillary pieces. Julius Randle is not, not an all-star. JaVale McGee and, and Rondo and all those guys may be head-scratchers and everything in, in some regard, but you can see a little bit of the vision. Maybe it all, it all works. They're not the, the consensus picks, but bottom line, the Lakers landed LeBron, and that's that's uh, that's what matters the most. I mean, even if you look at not just on the floor, but financially off the floor, you look at how much money, how much revenue he generates for the team. I mean, in addition to that, it's also a sign that, that the Lakers are, are back. I mean, this is a team that's been struggling for years and has been chasing those stars for so long. And Magic Johnson was brought in in order to close some of these guys and bring in these stars. And that's what he did. He landed the free agent of this summer. And I think that's landing LeBron is such a big win that the other issues that people have are, are they're kind of getting overblown. I mean, you can't forget they got the best basketball player on the planet to come to LA to a, a young team, a rebuilding team. That's a massive win. So I still, you know, regardless of what Toronto did and, and Oklahoma city and all of them, I still think the Lakers, maybe I'm biased, but I still, still think the Lakers win this off season pretty handily. I'll tell you my biggest gripe, getting rid of Tyler Ennis. He could have been part of the next great LeBron team, Syracuse star from a couple of years ago, and he's gone just like that after all he did for LA. <laughs> you know what? A lot of Lakers fans were not too sad to see Tyler Ennis go. I mean, nice, nice guy. No problems with, with Tyler Ennis whatsoever, but um, he, he was frustrating for a lot of fans. Uh, I, I saw the Twitter comments during games and things, and, and there was there was quite a bit of frustration when he was in the game for the Lakers. So, um yeah, <laughs> Tyler Ennis would, wasn't held in high regard amongst Lakers fans, but again, great guy, and, and hopefully uh, hopefully he lands somewhere, and we'll, we'll wish him the best. Between Dion Waiters' ankles and Melo, and it's, it's just not a good summer for Syracuse and the NBA. It's definitely not. No well, draft hey, I mean, Melo, either. Melo's still in a good spot. He'll be in the playoffs. You know, he's, he's with Houston. That's... It's a decent spot for him. He's hanging out with his buddy Chris Paul. I mean, come on. Could could be worse. Maybe he pulls a championship out of it if they're fortunate. It's going to be tough for them, know. though, in that West. And that, that last year was their chance. It really was. One game from the finals. It's still so hard to believe that that's yeah. how the Western Conference ended out last year. If Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt, I think they had a really good shot at it. But, um, but he did, and... Here we are now with the, the Golden State Warriors again as the champions, and uh, and now they've got Boogie Cousins, so it's going to be hard to pick against them moving forward. So let's look ahead at the four years of LeBron coming up. Looking at the crystal ball, how many of those next four championships will be won by the Celtics? How many by the Lakers? Oh, man. Um, let's go with... <sighs> I mean, realistically, like the Golden State Warriors are still young. They're still a, a young team. They're 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 not dropping off anytime soon or anything like that. So I would think that most non-Lakers and non-Celtics fans would would probably bet zero and say this Golden State Warriors team is gonna is gonna roll. Um, but I think here's what I'll go with: a dream scenario, I guess, would be 
uh, two Lakers and one Celtics, and then you've got them tied in the standings as far as championships go. They'd be they'd be sitting at 18 apiece. Uh, I feel like that would just be poetic moving forward for the two teams to be st- be tied in championships, and then they could uh, could battle it out forever. <laughs> do you see that Golden State core staying together over the next four years? And if they do, yeah. could you imagine four more championships coming in the next four years? I think they do. There was a little bit of sniping going on this year. It felt like maybe Kevin Durant wasn't quite part of the team. Like it was a little bit strange, right? That that the parade, Curry, right? Well, I mean the parade, but then also Steph Curry and uh, and Clay Thompson basically calling uh, Demarcus Cousins the third Splash Brother. Like that was a little bit like shouldn't that be KD? Shouldn't that have been Kevin Durant? <laughs> Should they have been calling him that a long time ago? Like was he was he kind of like sulking in a corner when that happened? Going, oh uh, guys, what about me? The Finals MVP? Come on. Um, so I don't know. I, I think they stay together. A lot of Lakers fans are hoping Clay Thompson maybe jump ship next summer and that he's somebody the Lakers could pick up in 2019. I know Michael Thompson, who's all over the airways airwaves here in Los Angeles, has consistently said that he thinks Clay's going to stay. Uh, with the Warriors, I think that ultimately they've got so much talent together that in le- unless it becomes something where them being so good is becoming a, a burden, like so many fans around the league are frustrated with them, like DeMarcus Cousins knew when he with the war- went to the Warriors, there was going to be a backlash. There were going to be fans around the league that were upset with that move, and, and Kevin Durant knew, obviously, there were going to be fans upset with him. Unless that just becomes to be becomes too much of a burden for them to bear, and then they, they eventually split up, which I don't see happening. I think they probably end up sticking it out, sticking it, sticking together. I mean, injuries happen in the sport, and you never know what's going to take place. But it seems like that's a team that's set up really well for at least the next what five years, probably to to be a really, really big problem for the league. The tricky thing about it is that winning cures all, and they are winning and winning and winning, yeah. and nothing stops that. And with a fun style, too. Yeah, and there's been no injuries to disrupt it. If you compare it to the Celtics, who, if we look back on the 08 to 13 teams, massive amount of turmoil, Rivers and Rondo going at it, the Garnett and Allen butting heads from day one, and then, of course, Allen's eventual departure. That probably could have been amended by more winning. If they won another one beyond 08, if they continue to keep winning, that group probably could have kept together. When the book gets written on the Warriors, we're probably going to see all the inner turmoil going on there that they just happen to step through because the winning continues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, winning cures all, as you said, so it's something where it'll probably stay quiet now, but I'm going to be really interested to hear what stories these guys tell once they're retired. Like, I think then all the secrets are going to come out. You know, was Steph really upset about KD winning finals MVP? Um, Does Kevin Durant really feel left out? I think we're going to start hearing about all that kind of stuff. But for right now, as long as they're winning and as long as things are going well, that's a team that can absorb an injury, two injuries to stars, and still be just fine. So, I mean, you got to be a little bit jealous about how well set up the Golden State Warriors are going forward. They're going to be a tough out for anybody. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna take quite a, an effort in order to get them out of this this championship run here. How do you feel about the Celtics in the East right now? Lots of players coming back, some short term contract uncertainty that we're talking about like crazy right now because there's mm-hmm. not really much else to talk about. Uh, what do you envision their uh, sh- short term future looking like next season? I mean, they look they look really good. Jalen Brown really showed up during the playoffs. He was he was impressive. Of course, Jason Tatum, you have those two wings to build around, plus 
obviously Kyrie in there. I mean, Al, Al Horford is still producing at a at a high level. What are and your then, thoughts on you're... Horford? I, I'd love to hear the barometer because I always take out the barometer and I'm like, all right, what does this guy think of Horford? And I weigh my opinion on them based on that. Are there a lot of a lot of people who are down on on Al Horford? Is that is that really a thing? I haven't heard it much, but that's that's a big thing, is it? It, it is a thing. Even here right. in Boston, after the, it probably was the greatest signing in free uh, Celtics history, mm-hmm. and he's had two incredible playoff runs for them. There's always the wow. Horford should have taken a few more shots tonight, <laughs> and that that it, it's not hate. It maybe it's not even. Um, underrating him but there's always that little seed of why can't we get more from horford it's a salary for sure but it it always annoys me you know what from watching pau gasol for so many years i feel like there was there was a little bit of a comparison there where where pau got that sometimes for being a little bit too reserved but sometimes you need guys like that on your team you can only have so many alphas and you need that guy that's going to be in there that's just going to going to be that glue guy and is going to do the things that the team needs the veteran that's going to make the big plays in the playoffs when they when they need to be made i feel like that's horford i I'm not really going to say anything bad about him because I've always been impressed by him. I'm sure he's had some some down performances here and there. Maybe he's not quite living up to his salary, but but man, I mean that that feels like you're really kind of nitpicking if you're upset with with Al Horford's performance when you look at at all the positive value that the Lake, that the uh, the Celtics have in Jason Tatum and in Jalen Brown and all these other pieces that that they've got. They've got young guys that are on really good cost controlled contracts. That if you overpay Al Horford a little bit. Well, you're making up for that with the other guys that are producing at such a high level. So I think in the end, the Celtics are, are in great shape. The East is wide open now that LeBron is, is out of there. I know Toronto is licking their chops, too. They're hoping to make a make a run. But, I mean, I feel like the Celtics are, are positioned as well as anyone else to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, especially with Brad Stevens at the at the helm. He's an incredible coach. And then you've got uh, you've got Kyrie Irving coming back and Gordon Hayward. I mean, we do, haven't even seen what he can do with this Boston Celtics team. So who knows what's that what that's going to look like? But I think they're in great shape moving forward. We're looking at a season now, about a month and a half away. So we're all excited. We'll see when the Lakers and Celtics are facing off. Maybe we'll get a Christmas Day matchup. Probably not, but we'll never know until that's the a, schedule drops. That's a good question, right there. If you were if you were to pick when the Lakers and Celtics would play this season. Where would where would you schedule that game? Ooh, who would I want on Christmas? Because you you'd imagine both of those teams are playing on Christmas. Oh yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But it's probably gonna be Lakers Warriors. I don't think they open the season against each other. Yeah. So I think Christmas is gonna be the way to go on that front for the Celtics. Oh, I hope it's not the next. <laughs> uh, I don't want the heat, even though it's always good to see Kelly Olenek. I guess I'll take the Raptors. You're going to go Raptors? Hoping to see the Raptors on Christmas? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that matchup. I wrote about the fact that Toronto, with all the wings they're assembling now, can at least mimic what Boston's doing lineup-wise, and you could argue that they have the best player in the matchup if Leonard returns to form. So there's some good competition going on there in the East, and maybe a brewing rivalry, because the Sixers aren't doing it for me right now. <laughs> you mean you don't believe in, in point guard Ben Simmons and uh, Joel Embiid is not, not, not enough for you? As we speak right now, there's a massive 
battle going on between the 76ers and Celtics Twitter over uh, a t-shirt of Ben Simmons standing at the three-point line not shooting and it says shoot coward so that's what's going on right now as we're talking <laughs> the NBA offseason it doesn't get any better right <laughs> and it is good to pass the time with a guy like Trevor Lane thanks for joining the program and I'm sure we'll talk to you if that Lakers Celtics finals ever happens Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope it does. That's Lakers Nation, Celtics Blog Podcast. We'll see you next week. I'm Bobby Manning. Go sure, Be sure to check out the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcast. Just type in the Banners Broadcast and you'll find us. Give us a subscribe. I'll appreciate it. And we will talk to you next time. Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden, mostly those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden, other than the fact that it's a 1,000 years old? Let's take a look. First of all, a garden, it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look.